Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we appreciate all of you checking us out. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate and review. I love some of these reviews that are coming in, although I see a real theme here emerging. Uh, This is from Kyle Denver Broncos. Hey, guys, love the pod. You guys might try some hip-hop instrumentals or other pop alternate instrumentals for your theme music. Some instrumentals from like Young Thug, Kanye Drake, or Travis Scott. This one here from Finn's fan number one. I can't stand the intro music, but really like the podcast. This is from Dougie and the Breeze. I love this podcast. Great no-nonsense analysis. Also, I really like the theme music. Kind of has a Springsteen vibe. This is unbelievable, Mike. A lot of comments here on the theme music. You know, the theme is really what I wanted is because we can't just steal music, right? I mean, there's like laws against that. I don't understand it since I don't know how Spotify works, but it does, you know. But I wanted it to be the beginning of Something in the Night by Springsteen. It's one of my favorite Springsteen songs. It's kind of like a lone wolf. And, and in the beginning, and Roy Britton plays the piano on it. It's just fabulous. Racing in the street, too. But I thought something different. But, you know, hey, look, it's to each his own. You know, I mean, I don't know. I just uh, We got to work on it. We'll, we'll try to get better. I mean, look, if you're not trying to get better, you're not getting anywhere, right? And that's what perfectly leads us to Make Me Smarter and the trade deadline, which is rapidly approaching. Don't worry. We're going to talk about all these major games that happen on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers throwing five touchdown passes. What happened in the Bears game against the Saints? Also the Eagles and Cowboys. But honestly, trade deadline, Mike, Tuesday, October 29th. That's right. We're just days away. It's not like the same thing as, let's say, the NBA trade line or Major League Baseball's trade deadline. But which teams do you think need to make some moves before the deadline? I think it's significant enough to start this podcast off with because of the fact that we are now entering a world in the NFL where there is a lot of have-nots, right? We know that the Bengals have no chance. I mean, we can argue that the Miami Dolphins are this horrendous team, right? And you could say Miami's so bad. I mean, Miami's at least been competitive, too. You know, the Bengals, 
they are a bad team. They're not going anywhere, right? We understand that. The New York football giants are not going anywhere, right? We know there's a lot of teams building for next year. The Chargers are building for next year, right? They're 2-5. and five. Now, maybe they think they can turn it around, but I would think they couldn't. The Broncos, building for next year. The Atlanta Falcons, building for next year. And they have assets. And so now why not use those assets and try to reconfigure your team to do something? You know, the Falcons were offered a third-round pick last offseason for Muhammad Sanu. They turned it down. They needed Sanu. They couldn't go without him. You don't think they could get that for him now? Wouldn't they like to have it? We don't even know if Matt Ryan's going to be healthy and play anymore. They're going to compete for the first pick in the draft. They might be in the Eason, my man Burroughs, Tuga, all those sweepstakes. They could, they're going to be in a quarterback sweepstakes the way the Falcons are going. So my point is I think there's a lot of players that could be available. Emmanuel Sanders. Like if you're Mike Brown and you own the Cincinnati Bengals, right? You, you, A.J. Green, unless you franchise him, he's probably not going to sign with you when he becomes a free agent. You're better off getting a pick for him now, a higher pick than the compensatory. Trade him to a team. The 49ers are going to offer you a boatload for him because they're close. They're one player away. They feel like it. I'm sure the Patriots will offer you a hell of a deal for him too. Why not make a move? you got to do something. Bill Walsh used to say all the time, if I have a pair of twos in my hand, I'm going to discard it because I know I can't win the hand. So I think that's why this trade deadline is so important. I think we're going to see a lot of teams trying to be maneuvering their roster. With that in mind, Mike, we got this tweet here from a guy named Mike who says, Michael Lombardi is the man. I enjoy him more than I did. Peter Vesey, in my opinion, was the best of all time for calling it as they see it. I have a question for Mr. Lombardi. Do you believe that the Bears and or the Bengals are considering an Andy Dalton trade? Why wouldn't that be an amazing thing? I, I would like to give my favorite Peter Vesey story of all time. I was a kid in college, I think, or something, and I would read the New York Post, and James Worthy got arrested for having two prostitutes in the room back when he played for the Lakers. <laughs> and, and, and Peter Vesey wrote, you know, it's the strangest thing. You would think Worthy would be tired of being double teamed every single night. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the great lines of all time in fact i followed him on twitter and i told him that and he followed me back it was like it made my day i mean he truly was he, he knew everything that was going on in the nba i appreciate the commentary I, I think look if you're the chicago bears and you've just watched mitchell trubisky you know we have to have a come to jesus meeting here now you know like like Parcells used to say all the time, the dog's dead, quit kicking it. I'm not going to kick Mitchell anymore. I'm, not, I'm done. I mean, everybody now has seen what I saw before everybody else saw it, right? So there's no sense in me belaboring the issue. Is where do they go now? Where do the Bears go now? They can't move the ball. Matt Nagy runs an offense that's just a bunch of trick plays, and he ain't tricking anybody. He has no offense. I mean, that's the reality. He has no offense because he's what he's done is he's fallen into this trap because Trubisky can only do so many things that he's gotten away from any offense. He has no semblance of an offense because he's worked everything around Trubisky that he's destroyed himself within Trubisky. Trubisky's taken his ass down too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they got to figure out something. They got to do something here. They can't just, they can't go with what they're doing. And I think the Andy Dalton thing, that's an interesting. Now, they don't have a first-round pick, right? They gave that up in the Khalil Mack deal, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's they, that, that pick still goes. So not that Andy Dalton's worth a third, but to me, they got to be active in the quarterback market because right now they got no chance. That football team, AD, today, I watched it. And as an executive in the league, I watched it. Their defense flat out said, enough. We're, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. This is enough. We can't go like this. 
Bears were hoping that Trubisky would build off that showing in week three, Mike, against Washington when he threw those three touchdowns, but erratic play all over the place. Here are the numbers, 34 of 54 for 251 and two late touchdowns, which I think, you know, changed things a little bit. Like you said, overall, he was uninspired to say the least, and most notably, the crowd was getting on him at Soldier Field in Chicago. I mean, all those stats in the fourth quarter were putting lipstick on a pig. I mean, seriously, it was a joke. I mean, come on. And they were just feeding it to him so they could make the numbers look like he actually had a good game. He had a dis- I mean, Sean Payton was over there laughing at him. I mean, they don't have a quarterback. I mean, Ryan Pace is sitting there with a good team. He don't have a Now, his offensive line isn't very good either. I mean, that, that, there's no doubt. I mean, they get no skill players that make any explosive plays. If they went to Chase Daniels, that would be problematic as well. So, for me, would you? I would look about Andy Dalton. And somebody said Eli Manning. Could you imagine Eli Manning behind that Bears offensive line? <laughs> he gets sacked 75 times. I mean, seriously, what would you know? Like, there's no way. Yeah, the other part of it is Teddy Bridgewater, by the way. He threw for 281, two touchdowns. The Saints are now, this is crazy to actually say this out loud, Mike. The Saints are now 5-0 and without Drew Brees. Bridgewater was 23-38. Michael Thomas had nine catches for 131. And Latavius Murray ran for 119 and two touchdowns. I mean, how about the Saints? I thought they would be the Aints, but they're the Saints again. They did it without uh, – Kamara wasn't on the field. It just shows you what Sean Payton, what a great coach can do for you. What a great coach could do. And they executed their game plan perfectly. I mean, they were creative. Their offensive line was able to do things. And the Bears looked nothing like a great dominant defense. But I don't know if it's really the Bears or if it's just more of the fact that the Bears defense knows that Trish Mitchell can't play. The one thing you can't convince anybody of, you can't lie to the players in the locker room. You can't. They, they know. Nobody's coming out defending Mitchell. When I ripped Mitchell last year, Tarek Cohen went online and said I was an idiot or whatever he did. Like, nobody's defending his ass. He's got the deer in the headlights look. He looks like he's got bad diarrhea and he can't make it to the bathroom. I mean, it, like, you, do you think he inspires anybody? No, and answer your question. This <laughs> was a hair diarrhea. I'm with you, man. That's, and the problem is just, like you said, he was, he, people were picking him in Vegas for a long shot for MVP. Like, think about how much money people put down on that. It was a donation. They were just giving money away. Those guys in Vegas were laughing at the bank, and those guys are so good. They play it straight down the middle. I mean, oh, we got so much liability with Mitchell. We're in so much trouble with Trubisky. Oh, come on, stop. You're no trouble. You've already spent the money. You built another wing onto the South Point because of all the money that the stupid people are giving you. I mean, seriously. But what do you do? What are you thinking if you're Matt Nagy tonight? Right? What are you thinking? I can't go to Chase Daniels. I got to do something. I, I can't make this guy a player. He's not a good player. And just think about it. Let's just go through it. We took a player. There were two players in this draft from the ACC. We took the one who won no championships, who wasn't even first team all conference, who didn't win it, didn't play Alabama, started one year over a guy who started four years in high school and four years in college. And we took this guy. How do you like how do you sell that? Like if I went to go sell that to your wife and said, Here's an idea I have, right? And she right. knows nothing about football, right? Wouldn't she say that doesn't make any sense? Yeah. She's like, Where where is the logic in this? Where so I mean, how do you think it went so wrong? Do you think that I mean it's just a bad pick, right? It wasn't like this guy actually was good. They just were seduced by the fact that, oh, he's got raw talent or a big arm, let's go outside the box, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think I think too, and I think if the truth be told, okay, Nagy gets the job because he comes in to the interview and he basically says he likes him. Now, when they did him, okay, they didn't like him in Kansas City, right? He right. didn't like him in Kansas City. They liked Mahomes. That that's who they were on in Kansas City, Mahomes. 
And and Andy Reid's admitted that he he liked Deshaun Watson and Mahomes. Those were his two guys. Now he liked Mahomes more, but and give him credit for that because that was just a tremendous pick. But he liked him more. And so you're dealing with a guy that, you know, he didn't really like him. And then oh, once I got to know him, I really like him. He impressed me with his knowledge. He has no knowledge. Like, he can't do anything at the line of scrimmage. You can't do anything with this guy. So what are you going to do, Ryan Pace? What are you going to do? You're going to sit there and keep watching it? You're going to ruin your career? You're going to keep watching this shit? At some point, you got to cut your losses. And I don't want to hear this crap. I do not want to hear this crap. Well, he's going to get better because this crap is crap. Because, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick brought the Miami Dolphins. He's not very good, but Ryan Fitzpatrick made the Dolphins look a hell of a lot better. Trade for Marcus Mariota. Trade for somebody. He's going to have to do it. It's funny that you mentioned Mariota because that was my thought. There's a guy who's had five years, and we all know now he hasn't panned out. At the very least, needs a change of scenery. Jameis Winston's a turnover machine. Maybe people will say the Trubisky apologist, Mike, hey, give him more time because look at how much time Winston and Mariota have had. Can you buy that? Yeah, that's You know what? That's lost, but we're making great time. That's the old saying. You know, we're lost, but we're making great time. <laughs> you know, do you, Would you like to have five more years of Winston? Seriously, you wasted time. Time equals money. At some point, you got to make a decision. Like, this guy ain't good enough. This guy is not good enough. And it shows up. I mean, look at the Miami offense without Josh Rosen in it. Look at the Miami. I mean, not that Miami's any good. I'm not saying Miami's any good. But look at it without Josh Rosen. They moved the ball. They moved the ball. I mean, think about it. Lamar Jackson was the last quarterback picked. He had a historic day today, winning up in Seattle. Remarkable, right? I mean, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, all these guys got picked before him, but Lamar can't play quarterback. He's a running back. He's a wide receiver, and look what he's doing. Like, at some point, you have to admit that you can't evaluate quarterbacks. Ryan Pace has got to have a hard conversation with him, so this is ridiculous. He's going to lose his – he's lost his team. He's close to losing his team right now. There's no doubt. It makes me think of Bob Dylan. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blow, right? That's right. That's a great line. Uh, it is a that's great line. That's a great line. I mean, the, the reality of it is, is you got to do something. And that's why the trading deadline is so important. Who could you get? Hey, you know what I do? I call San Francisco. Nick Mullen, CJ Beathard. Who do you, who do you have? Can I have one of them? I'll give you a draft pick because I promise you, you put Nick Mullen or CJ Beathard behind the Bears. I'm not saying they're going to be great. They're going to be a hell of a lot better than they are right now. Yeah, they definitely have issues. You got to do something. You, you have to do something. You can't go. I'm telling you, Tyrod Taylor would make the Bears better. It's crazy to think about week three when we were doing our top three, bottom three. You had the Bears as the third best team. And your reasoning was not because of Trubisky. It was in spite of Trubisky. It was because of how good the defense was and all the other aspects of it. Now it looks like the Packers are going to take charge in the NFC North. And how about the job by Aaron Rodgers? He had his best game by far under Matt LaFleur. He threw for 429, five touchdowns, ran for another. He was 25 of 31 for eight different targets and the first perfect passer rating of his career. How much of this might do you think this is Matt LaFleur's offensive scheme coming through, or is this just Aaron Rodgers picking apart the Raiders? Well, I think Aaron Rodgers was a lot of it. I think it was a combination of both. They really were really good today. And and look, the Raiders, when, when I sat down, this is the game I wanted to watch. So I sit my fat ass on the couch. I got this game on. And I hear the Raiders won the toss and elected to receive. I thought to myself, what are we doing? Jesus Christ, what are we doing? We're playing in Lambeau. And then I thought about it. You know, John needs to play, score 31 points in the first quarter. He needs to play from in front. He knows his team. There's a certain way the Raiders have to play. If the Raiders don't play a certain way, they can't win. They don't really have very good talent at all. Then they're really horrible on defense. So I thought, okay. Takes the ball, drives it down the field. Nice. Pretty good. Impressive. You know, nice drive. Had a chance. You know, ran the ball effectively. 
course, naturally, here come the, the Packers come right back down the field and score. We got the ball 14 to 10. We're down with just a shade over two minutes. And Carr does exactly what Carr does. He makes a complete blunder, which is he's typical of making them, right? And he tries to extend the ball with his left hand. He's going to his right. He did the same thing last year in another game. The ball goes out of bounds, right? So now we're instead of being up 17-14, we're down 14 to 10. He's got the ball, Rodgers, with two minutes to go in the game. Boom, right down the field. Up. Oh, what is it now? It's 21 to 10. Guess who gets the kickoff, AD? Right. Packers. Now what do you think the score is after he's done with that kickoff? The game's over. It's 28 to 10. Game's over. That's the middle eight. That's that's how you control the middle eight. That's how you take a game that's really close. People got to look at the score and say 42-21. That game wasn't close at all. No, that game was really close. That game was a really close game. And that game, the Raiders had a chance to win that game. They screwed up in the red zone. They run power twice on fourth and one from the goal line. Horrible. Horrible. Right? But they were in that game. They just couldn't cover. They couldn't cover. They're so slow on defense, it's atrocious. They can't cover. They have no team speed on defense, and they played against a Packer team without Devontae Adams, and they couldn't control him. And Rodgers was just sensational. He knew – Rodgers knew he wasn't going to get hit, right? And whenever great quarterbacks know they're not going to get hit, they're going to have great days. I mean, that's a fact. Yeah, and you, we talked with the Raiders team in the past, and as you'd said, listen, it's not that they're a good team. It's just that John Gruden's done a good job of maximizing talent, hiding weaknesses, et cetera. In this case, this was a great quarterback who clearly exploited their weakness. And in a situation like that, you're not going to be able to win the game. No, and then once he got ahead of you, once he got ahead of you, it was, you know, there's nothing he could do. John couldn't get control of the game. John had to stay in control of the game. He had to be able to play. And that's why when when I sat down on the couch, I'm thinking, okay, you know, he, he deferred. He should have deferred, but I get why he didn't do it. Like, I wasn't really – but then it just came back to haunt him because he couldn't do anything once it got to that point, you know. And it just – he can't play outside his style. And that's just the way it is. It's like a basketball team that has to play a certain way. If they don't play a certain way, they can't beat you. That's the Raiders this year. That's the Raiders this year. And I, and I think at the end of the day, we're going to have the same conversation about Derek Carr that we're having about Trubisky. He's just dressed up better than Trubisky. I mean, Trubisky flat out can't play. I mean, Trubisky gets cut by the Bears. I mean, there'll be some team that takes him, but it won't last long. It'll be bounce, 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 right? That's the funny thing. Is is he going to get a second contract? Like, you already know you're not giving this guy a second contract. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? And you're right. When it comes to Derek Carr, it could be the similar situations. And meantime, you look at the Vikings and a guy like Kirk Cousins. This guy gets four touchdown passes for a second straight week. 24-34, season I, 337. And they had some balance as well. Cook had 25 carries, 142 yards rushing. He scored his second touchdown after Cousins connected with Stephon Diggs. Vikings, better offense here, Mike. They finally got Cook going now, and you look at Cousins and Diggs. How much of this do you think is the Vikings OC, Kevin Stefanski? I think a lot of it is. I think they've done a really good job. I mean, they've run the ball. They've got good skill. Now, Thielen gets hurt with the hamstring, and you got to hope he can come back. He probably won't play against the Redskins, but I don't think they're going to need him against the Redskins. But the reality of it is is they've got great skill. When they're playing against a team like the Lions, who consistently want to play man-to-man, you can't play in the NFL. Playing man-to-man every single snap is like a baseball pitcher who can only throw fastballs. Eventually, they get hit, right? 
eventually that no matter how fast you throw, no matter if you throw 100 miles an hour, you're going to get hit. You play man-to-man, your defense gets tired. They lose Slay today. They don't match up well enough. The Detroit's like that little dog that barks at you, you know, that's never looked in a mirror, like thinks she's, you know, that little dog that thinks they're really mean and tough, but they're really not. I mean, that's Detroit playing man-to-man. They don't have man-to-man cover people. But they play it because it gives them a chance to get off the field. If they just played zone, it would be a painful death. And so they don't. And they go against a team like Minnesota. Minnesota handily beat them twice last year. They beat them in Minnesota. They beat them in Detroit. They don't match up good to Minnesota because they don't rush Cousins. They can't rush Cousins. And they can't keep pace of the game. And they can't get control of the game because they can't cover Minnesota's skill. And so it's a bad matchup. And I thought Minnesota, Minnesota's starting to separate themselves. They got, they got, now they got Washington coming up, you know, which will be a win for them. They go to six and two after the eight games. They're in good shape. Yeah. And as far as the, the lines are concerned, I mean, listen, Cousins was just hot. He's, he's the first quarterback in league history, by the way, to throw for at least 300 yards with a 130 plus passer rating in three straight games. So take that as you will. And for Stafford, he did throw four touchdown passes all to Marvin Jones. He's the fastest to reach 40,000 yards passing in NFL history. But this is a Lions team going in a different direction. I mean, they've dropped three yeah. straight games after two 0-1 start. They're complaining about officiating, and their defense was just brutal. As you mentioned, they got exploited all over the place. They're not good. They're really not. They play smart. They've tried to play a style. They have to play a style, too. They can't get into a track meet. They're like, you know, they're not the Golden State Warriors going to get in a track meet and play. Once, you know, they'll keep up with it for a little while, but once it gets to a point, they can't keep, they can't do it. They can't match score for score. They're not good enough in the offensive line. Tough time blocking Everson Griffin. Tough time blocking Danielle Hunter today. They have a hard time. And so the pace, the game gets away from them. That's the most important thing about football is when you're watching games is who's in control and who's in the lead even though the vikings were never really they were in the lead even though the the lions caught up they never could get control of the game same thing with the packer raider game the raiders were in the game but they could never get control because they couldn't get off the field they could never get control of the game when we come back we'll focus in on how bad things have gotten for the falcons plus an unexpected star from the arizona cardinals as the giants was a tough game against them plus can kyler murray lead arizona to the playoffs mike and i discuss it next after the break All right, this is the best time of the year for any sports fan. The college basketball tournament is coming up. Who could get enough hoops? And I'm rooting for Arizona this year. I'm a West Coast guy. I want to see a West Coast team win it. Hasn't been done since 1997. Hopefully the Wildcats can get it done. But regardless of who makes it to the final game in the tourney, one thing's for certain. It takes the most talented people working together to help these teams play at this level. And if you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. And right now, our friends over at ZipRecruiter can help you do that. ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. You can try it out, no cost whatsoever. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for your position. Once you review your list of the most qualified candidates, you can easily invite your top choices to apply so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a win team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 
And now for the G-Men. The return of Saquon Barkley, the Giants line up the match of first-round rookie quarterbacks Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. But somebody forgot to tell Chase Edmonds. That's right, Chase Edmonds, the backup running back for the Cardinals, Mike, rushed for career highs of 126 yards and three touchdowns. And how about the job of the Arizona defense? I mean, listen, you think of Cliff Kingsbury. He's known for his offensive wizardry. But his defense sacking Jones eight times, forcing three turnovers, 27-21 to as Arizona beats the Giants. And one of the first things I noticed when looking at the numbers, how did Saquon Barkley only get 18 carries for 72 yards? You know, what well, starts out 17 nothing. Just, I mean, before you even sit down, I mean, they take the ball right down the field. Edmonds runs it right down the field, and, you know, they can't do anything with it. And the next thing you know, it's 17 nothing. But then they get back in the game. They block a kick for a touchdown. They, they move the ball down the field, and they get back in the game. And they never could really get into a flow. I mean, look, uh, the Cardinals are, are not really good. I mean, even, you know, my, the mayor didn't throw for, I think he threw for a buck 20 today. But they couldn't block them. I mean, the fact is the Giants' offensive line, as we've talked about, you know, Eli is a problem, but now Daniel Jones can't really get away from it. He's been a problem, too, because they can't protect. I mean, I knew going into the game, you know, Nate Solder was practiced against Chandler Jones every single day. And God loved Nate Solder to death, but he knew he was going to have a hard time blocking Chandler. So that was going to be a problem. Anytime you know a player knows he can't really block it, it's a problem. And so they put too much pressure on them, and they could never really get into a flow or get into a rhythm or get going on first down, and that and that's really what started them. And then, I mean, look, the thing that blew me away, he calls a draw. So it's 20, I think it's 24 to 21 late in the game, and the Giants get a stop. They're coming back down the field. It's second and 10. They get sacked. Now it's third and 18. They run draw. They run a draw. Third and 18, they run a draw. Yeah. That's- and they get like three yards. <laughs> And then fourth down, he gets sacked, and, you know, sack fumble. Next thing you know, it's 27-21. And then Murray tries to give him the game. Murray, they're running out the clock, and they don't have any more timeouts. It's third down, and Murray runs out of bounds. Like, at some point, is somebody going to educate this kid that you got to slide? Like, the clock's our opponent. And then, of course, the Giants get the ball back with no time, and, and Daniel Jones gets sacked and gets killed. I mean, Daniel Jones in the last four starts – if he's the sixth pick in the draft, then, you know, I'm going to win the lottery tomorrow. I'm just telling you. <laughs> that goes Seriously. back to our point about Daniel Jones. Like I said, Mike, we've been saying this over and over. He's fine if he was like a third or fourth rounder, but the number six pick overall in the draft, you got to give me more than this? Look, I'm not, I mean, and he could be the guy that leads them down the path. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's getting the crap beat out of him right now. He's got no weapons. He's really not getting a lot of help. You know, and he's getting a, and his eye level's coming way down because he's getting way too many hits. But the reality here is, is he's not the sixth best player in the draft. I mean, I'm just telling, he's not the most talented guy. You know, I mean, can you imagine he went six and Lamar Jackson went 32? There's something wrong with our scouting system when that happens. Seriously, there's something wrong. Lamar Jackson went 32. Every, and people were saying, guys in the Hall of Fame said he's a running back. He's the best dual threat running quarterback now since Michael Vick. He's the best single wing. I mean, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I'm finding somebody like Taysom Hill. I'm going to go out and sign somebody like Taysom Hill, another quarterback. BYU. BYU. I'm going to find the kid Hammond from Air Force. I mean, he's, he can't come play right now. But the kid Hammond from Air Force, I'd sign out that guy tomorrow. I'd tell him, look, you can, fl- you can fly planes later. Come here. You get in the backfield with Lamar. You two together. One plays quarterback on one play. One plays running back. We'll just run the single wing with the two of us. <laughs> Seriously, we'll just run the single wing, the two of us. We'll run it. You know, you quarterback this play. I quarterback next. Who's, how do you think the defense is going to match up to that? 
Yeah. It's going to be the old single wing. You can't – it would be hard. I mean, Lamar was unbelievable. Third down today didn't matter. Fourth down didn't matter. But going back to Jones, I mean, Jones I mean, Jones is a nice player. That's the problem. He's a nice player. But he's not going to be the leader of men, especially when the team around him, like you said, is so faulty. One more thing. I don't know if Pat is really the right guy for this. I, the Giants are in rebuild mold, right? If I'm the New York football Giants and I'm rebuilding, and that's what I'm doing, right? I, I mean, this is really a, a badly put-together football team. I'd hire Matt Rule from Baylor, and let's build this program for three years from now where we get something going. If you think Pat's going to be your guy two years from now, then go ahead and keep him. But if you don't think that, you need to make a change because you need to build something here that's outside of just tomorrow. And the Giants are so sensitive. I mean, they read every press clip and known to mankind. I mean, they'll be all over that. You know, no way. Oh, you know, you know, like this. This loss devastated the Giants to lose to the Arizona Cardinals at home when you think you've got it turned around. Seriously. Well, speaking of devastating losses, the Chargers have now lost three straight, five of their past six, and Rivers and company thought they pulled off a comeback after trailing it 23-13 with 6.39 left. So in case you missed the game, i got to explain exactly what happened here. So not once, not twice, Mike, but thrice, the Titans with an amazing goal line stand each time they needed the replay official to overturn the call on the field, turning what the Chargers thought were a pair of go-ahead touchdowns and a final ruling that gave the ball and the game to the Titans. Jarrell Casey recovering a fumble by Melvin Gordon at the goal line. 15 seconds left. Gordon initially was ruled down, shy of the goal line at the one. Casey came out of the pile with the ball. The Titans start celebrating. The play was reviewed, overturned the on-field ruling that Gordon was short of the goal line. The call was a fumble forced by the Titans linebacker, Wesley Woodyard, that was recovered by Casey for a touchback. Ryan Tannehill knelt down to run out the clock, and there you have it, the Titans win. What a wild finish that was. And, you know, let me get a couple things out. Melvin Gordon is not as good as Ecuador. Let's just say that. The, the, The Chargers should trade Melvin Gordon. I don't know who wants him, but they should trade him. Like they should just flat out trade him right now. Like whenever they take Eckler off the field and put Melvin Gordon on, they're doing you a favor. They're doing you a favor. Like just trade the guy. Get like they need something. That's a. B. He scores. It gets called back. They review it. It's not a touchdown. Then you come back and they score another time. It gets reviewed. Not a touchdown. This whole game started. This is the most bizarre game I've seen in, in, in a long time. The ball's at midfield. Ad. And it's fourth and inches, inches, just, I mean, literally, literally just a chain link. And the Chargers have no more timeouts. If they just get this half inch, they win the game right there. So they call a sneak and and Tannehill pussyfoots around and goes high, goes low. But you clearly see Tannehill move with the ball and you can see the ball on TV. You see him move over the line and you clearly see him advance the ball further than where it was when it was set up, right? When it comes back out, the next thing I know, the ball's like six inches from where it was spotted before. And I'm like, that's a horrible spot. Like, they got to review that. That's just a ridiculous spot. They spot it. It's not a first down. And, and Vrabel's over there, and he won't chat. And I can't figure out why he's not challenging it. Like, I haven't heard the video of why he's not challenging. He just let it go. And, and Dan Fouts is screaming, you got to challenge that. You got to challenge it. I mean, everybody knew you had to challenge it. And they didn't challenge it. They deserved to lose. And then, of course, naturally, they go right down the field. He doesn't call any of his timeouts. He's kind of letting the game go. They score. They post the score, take the score, post the score. I mean, it's the damnedest game I've ever seen in my life. Tennessee deserved to win the game. So for all the Chargers people that think they got screwed, they really got they really got fortunate because they should have never ever had the ball 
at that point in the game. I mean, it was one of those games, and Tannehill did exactly what we said on the GM shuffle on Thursday. He gave them life. Threw for 300 yards. They actually looked better on offense than they ever had. Yeah, he threw for 312, two touchdowns, first start since they benched Mariota. Tannehill posting a season high, 403 yards overall for the Titans. They win the first game at home, and... He was 23 of 29. He only had six incompletions. He outdueled Phillip Rivers on a day that Rivers becomes sixth in career passing yards. Not too shabby for Ryan Tannehill. No, I thought he played well. I mean, I thought he played well. The offensive line, Dennis Kelly had to come in and play right tackle. That was a disaster. I mean, they're not, Tennessee's not very good. They run the ball too damn much with Derrick Henry. But I mean, they played hard on defense. And the Chargers, I mean, Rivers is remarkable. He gets the shit kicked out of him on every single play, but he still stangs in there and throws it down the field. And, and Keenan Allen, everybody knows the ball is going to Keenan Allen, and yet he gets a – I mean, he made two – there was a there was one play they should have challenged that I didn't think was a catch, but he made some incredible catches on the sideline that were just flat-out remarkable. Speaking of unremarkable, that would be the play of the Atlanta Falcons as they lose 37-10 to against the Rams. Yeah, Jared Goff played well. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey definitely making an impact, but honestly – the Falcons are just brutal. Matt Ryan's exit with an ankle injury as the Falcons have nothing to play for this season. And for Dan Quinn, he's starting to feel like he's dead man walking. They lose 37 to 10, Mike, against the Rams. It was ugly. Yeah. You know, the thing that cracked me up today, two things really made me laugh. Scott uh, on the red zone today said, uh, Scott Hansen, yeah. Scott Hansen says, you know, it's just so great. Uh, I hear Tom Brady loves to watch the red zone when he doesn't have, when he has free time. I'm thinking Tom Brady's ass is sitting on an airplane. It's two o'clock. They leave at two o'clock. Like Tom Brady ain't watching you, Scott Hansen. Like there's no way he's not watching you. Like he's sitting on the airplane. Okay. I get that out of there. And then I love this report. This report that came out. Arthur Blank is evaluating the Atlanta coaches and Dan Quinn. No shit, Sherlock. You don't think he, I mean, like that, that was a report. What do you think he's been doing all year? We've been saying it all year that he's he's basically waiting to, to to evaluate the team. I mean, Dan Quinn is done. I mean, it's over with. And if 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 Arthur Blank had any common sense, he would start a clean slate, which he won't, but he should. And he should start selling off some assets to rebuild the team for the next guy to come in there. Any guy who doesn't have a contract for next year, whether it's Vic Beasley, Sanu, try to get some draft picks and build a talent level. Because this, this ass kicking today, this 1-6, which really should be 0-7, I mean, if Aguilar catches the pass, they're 0-7, okay? that This ass-kicking is really, you know, you're going to need to get better players quickly. Think of this stat of the day, Mike. The Rams sacked Ryan five times today, okay? That matches the five sacks by Atlanta's defense this season. None in the last four games. That is abysmal. Yeah, they're bad. I mean, and look, Quinn's look. Whether you think Quinn's a good head coach or not, and and I don't think you can say that he's done a very good job. He's not a defense coordinator. He's a defensive line coach trying to coach defense, and their secondary is a disaster. You know, and then special teams, they got fooled on the fake punt. The Rams were back to being the Rams. You know, John Fossil, really good special teams, came up with a fake punt. He kind of went into it. It was really well designed, and and it, it kind of took the game over. But they're not good. I mean, the Falcons. Remember this. You know, we are in the veterinarian business in the NFL. And there's three reasons why you win. It's either players, coaches, or schemes, right? And so as a fan, you always blame the coach. You know, you think there's certain players that are playing good. But really, as an executive, you got to figure it out. Now, Atlanta's case, because they run a very basic scheme, you know, but they coach hard. I mean, they, they coach enthusiastically, let me say that. You know, you basically can evaluate your talent. Your talent level isn't good enough, although Atlanta won't admit it. That, that's really the biggest problem in the NFL. You won't admit it. 
You, nobody will admit it. Pace won't admit he screwed up on Trubisky. Dimitrov's never going to admit his team isn't very talented. He's going to convince everybody. When I first started in the league, the New England Patriots with Dick Steinberg were always the most talented team. They never won anything, but they were always the most talented team. Here's another thought, by the way, Mike. Speaking of trades, Falcons defensive end Vic Beasley said he's heard reports he could be traded. I'm aware of it. I'm just going to continue to try to help this team win games as long as I'm here, blah, blah, blah. So to, just so I get this clear, Dan Quinn, we both agree, is, is not the right guy. I mean, listen, he added defensive coordinator responsibilities after a 7-9 and nine finish. The team's brutal. He's probably going to be gone. So you would think, if you're the Falcons, would you trade Beasley and say, listen, let's try to get some assets for the next guy? Yeah, I, I definitely would. And I mean, I mean, look, you're going to get a probably compensatory pick for the guy. You figure you get a compensatory third for Beasley, even though he's not helping your team. You know, I mean, you'll, if you can get that, trade him for that. You take the pick now. You take a four now and instead of waiting for a compensatory. Take a pick from a team that you know perhaps could be picking in the, in the top of the round. Not that, the, you know, teams that pick in the top of the round want to trade for players, especially guys that are going to be free agents. But like the Ravens don't have any pass rushers. Would you trade with them? You know, somebody like that. You know, could they use another pass rusher? Sure. Buffalo, could they use one? They, their defensive line's good, but you could always – Texans, one of those teams. I think I would I would move any player that I didn't have a contract for for next year if I was Atlanta because the new right. guy's going to come in, and he's going to want to start a clean slate anyway. I mean, the Redskins could do that. They're just too damn stubborn. You know, they enjoy losing, so that's why they're this the way they are. <laughs> Speaking of enjoying losing, just a quick thought on the Thursday nighter. I mean, we, all of us had a deep breath. I don't care if, who you cheer for. If you're a football fan, you love seeing Patrick Mahomes. As soon as he dislocated his right knee in a pileup near the goal line in the first half, you go, oh, my God, I hope it's not season ending. So hopefully Mahomes will be back at some point and KC can compete. But the bottom line is this. The Chiefs win at 30-6 to because they're playing the Broncos, who are awful. Flacco was sacked five times, knocked down eight more times. That's over 15 first-half dropbacks. Like his life is entire is miserable. And you'd like to make this point clear because I don't even I even I realize this how much he was getting paid. Not Flacco, not Mahomes, but John Elway. John Elway makes twelve million dollars a year, and he can't yeah. get a quarterback. And nobody knows it. Nobody talks about it. It's one of the it's one of the best kept secrets in the league. He makes twelve million dollars a year as a chief executive officer. He doesn't coach. That's why he does all that. That's why you see him with the headset on. He does everything. They pay him twelve million dollars a year. Can you imagine that? million dollars a month and yet gets no blame for it either you know i mean he gets no blame it's not his fault you know he's been through how many coaches million dollars a year and look i think this i mean i think two of the worst players that i've seen this year garrett bowles how he keeps playing i have no idea the guy can't play without holding like at some point people are like well what do you expect them to do i would put a coke machine over there before i play garrett bowles <laughs> Like, I would line up a Coke machine. Like, okay, we're just going to put the Pepsi machine over here. We'll roll his ass out every play. Because at least you got to go around the Pepsi machine. He's not going to get called for holding. We'll never cut off the backside on run game. Like, seriously, Garrett Bowles, $12 million a year for John Elway. $12 million. He makes more than most some of the coaches. And his salary doesn't go into the pool where some of these coaches like Sean Payton and Belichick, they have it so when Gruden made that huge deal, they all got bumped, right? So they have it in their their contracts where they're going to make they're always going to be in the top echelon of coaches. So when Gruden got his ten million a year, it bumped up the really good coaches. Look, let me say this to you very clearly: if you're a chief executive officer and you're running a team and the and the cap is over two hundred million dollars and the franchise is worth a billion, making fifteen million a year, I know that seems like ridiculous amount of money to most people, but it's not in the in the corporate world as you would know, right? If that's what you're, but you have to deliver, you got to win. Or else, you know what happens? The board of directors comes in and fires your ass, right? Yeah, it's just incredible. 
just the, the way that people look at royalty. Because John Elway, five Super Bowls, two-time champion, big name, he puts his face out there, you're right. All of a sudden, and, and you win one, well, hang on a second. He, he's a god, he's a champion as a player, he's a champion as an executive. That buys you so much equity, Mike, whereas you're right. In the real world, they go, hey, it's not just what have you done for me lately. What have you done for me the last three years, four years? Like, you got to step up here. I mean, if you're running a company and the stock starts to go down, you don't think they're firing you and they're paying you $12 million a year and that stock's going down? You don't think they're going to they're, they're gonna whack your ass? Seriously. I mean, this is the world we live in. I mean, it, that's what happens when you make a lot of money. When I first started in the NFL, scouts never got fired. Executives never got fired in the NFL because we weren't making any money, right? It was, okay, you're like a 10-year teacher. Okay, you can stay here, you know. But all of a sudden, when the money became, and we all started making money and having nice houses and all that crap, you guys going to get fired if you don't win. It's a profession that is judged every week. I mean, John's sitting there making 12 million a year. He's making more than his coach. You think he's more valuable? That's why I say it all the time to people. Like, let me ask you this question. If if Jason Garrett left at halftime, would anybody notice? I don't think so. <laughs> if, if Ed Orgeron left at halftime at LSU, you think anybody would notice? No. Like, seriously. Yeah. If you're making $12 million, you got to be the hardest working guy. you got to be doing everything. I just don't see it. Mike, you were 16-10 and 10 going into the break. We'll give your updated record plus the weekly awards when we come back. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle code 25SHUFFLE. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule. And that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. 
done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits so Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic at seed.com shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. All right, Mike, I want to talk picks here before we go to our weekly awards. You were 16-10. and 10. How are we looking now? Well, it was 3-1-1. One, and one. I, I had the Niners and 9 on circus. So I go to the thing, and, I, and Brian Peters, the guy on Twitter, does it for me. I get the lines on Twitter, the best lines that I can get. And that's really important. If you guys are betting out there and listening to the picks, shop for the best line. Shop for the best line because there's all sorts of different places you can get it. So I push with San Francisco. I win that game easy. Except for the the field was a, was just a complete disaster. I mean, it was a freaking disaster, and so I, I pushed that one. I lost Green Bay, which is why I'm so angry because you know that that I think Green Bay should have covered in that game. Like sometimes, you know, the thing I love about I don't bet. I I don't bet AD. I really don't. I've never bet for anything, but I love handicapping the game because it, it makes me feel like I'm still involved in the game, and so I'm I want to see if the the way I think the game should go, it goes that way, right? So it kind of keeps me really immersed into it. I pay closer attention because of it. So I lost the Packer game, and I didn't really feel like I, I mishandicapped the game. I think the game got away from the Raiders. I thought the Raiders could play their style. They couldn't. I lost that. I won the Ravens. I thought that they would go up there. I thought they would run the ball, and they did. They won, I won that one. I got four points in that, and I won that outright. I won the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-17. I gave Cincinnati four, and I still won that one because the great Andy Dalton couldn't wait to throw me as many balls as he possibly could. I mean, he threw a pick on a screen. He threw another pick. He threw three picks in a game at least. So I ended up 3-1-1, and one, so now I'm 19-11-1 and one on the year, which, I, I mean, I feel pretty good about it. And, uh-huh. and I think the one I wanted to bet, and this is in hindsight, the one I really – I was talking to a couple guys at the uh, – when I was at the Borgata doing Visa this weekend, I wanted to pick the Cardinals. I just had no guts. Like the Cardinals matched. Oh, and the other game I won, I won the Titans. I felt like, and I feel like I deserved that win, even though it kind of the way it went, I should have won it because I should have got reviewed. Like I was pissed off he didn't review it. He was costing me. <laughs> but like you said, you're not betting. You're just helping people out there. So by the way, just a reminder, we're always here available. Mondays and Thursdays, the GM Shuffle. Thursdays is when Mike gives his pick. So if you want to make some money here, think about this. My guy going in was 16 and 10. Now he's even better. 19, 19, 11 and 1. Is that right, Mike? Yeah. It's just you do what you want with the information. But shop the best number. And like, you know, and sometimes and I'll talk like I was leaning towards Arizona. I just have enough guts. So anyway, I'm sitting there, AD. I'm in the, I'm at the Borgata. Guys come over. Everybody like watches like the like to watch the show and and say, who who do you like? Hot shot. You know, everybody wants to know who your picks are. Of course, they pay no attention to what you say and they bet any way they want. I mean, that's what betting is classic. Right. You know. And so I we were talking and I said. And the guy says to me, you know, Mitch is going to win the MVP. Just make it fun of me. And I said, yeah, let's go over and bet. Let's go to the window. Let's make that bet. MVP Mitch. We'll go over there and make it. He called him MVP Mitch, which is the best of all. 
So he says, no, no, my wife's at the spa. That's I'd rather give money to the spa than give it to the, to the book. <laughs> he was right. Oh, I love it. I love the spas. This is a way to relax and recline. Let's give out some weekly awards here, Mike. And this one I think is a good one because as you point out now, I mean, listen, we're, we're almost at the halfway point of the season here. You can already tell which teams are missing the playoffs after seven weeks. Now, did we have the Giants in there before? I think we did, yeah. I think we did. I think we had Cincy, Atlanta, Miami, Washington, the Giants, Arizona. I don't think we had Denver. We'll put Denver in there now and twelve million reasons why. <laughs> and we didn't I didn't put Jacksonville in there. I put Tampa in there. And and now I'm gonna put the Bears in there because the Bears aren't winning. I mean, let's face it, and the Lions are going in there too. The Lions aren't making the playoffs. You can't there's too many teams in the NFC. Remember we talked about there was eleven teams mm-hmm. in the NFC? And the Bears and the Lions aren't gonna get there. They're not gonna be able to beat like tonight, Philly's getting their their butts beat tonight badly by the Cowboys thirty to ten as we tape this in the it's in the fourth quarter. But, you know, one of those teams are gonna emerge ahead of the Bears, and I, I don't think one of them are gonna make it. So I'm putting the Bears in there because there's even if the Bears the Bears aren't going to win because the schedule's too hard and they don't have a quarterback. I didn't put the Chargers in there because I don't know why I didn't. I should probably put the Chargers in there. Yeah, they're 2-5 and five right now. That team's bad. That team's bad, and I don't think they can win close games. So we got Cincinnati, Atlanta, Miami, Washington. That's four. The Giants, Arizona, and Denver. That's seven. If we put the Chargers in there, that's eight. Tampa's nine, and we put the Bears in there. There's ten teams that are out. And you know what Parcell says all the time? He says, before the season even starts, 15 teams have no chance. He's right. <laughs> it's crazy to think, man. The, the, the thinning of the herd, right? At this point, you just go, hey, listen, we know the contenders are. We know the pretenders are. Just get out of the way. Let's make this simple. So now that we know those teams are missing the playoffs, that's after seven weeks of the NFL season. We can now look at who is making the playoffs. I'll give you my picks first for the NFC. So as you mentioned, the Eagles just get worked against the Cowboys. Listen, this Eagles secondary is brutal, and I'm tired of these early deficits every single freaking game you turn the game on philadelphia first quarter they're already down seven nothing 14 nothing you can't keep doing this to yourself right good teams do not have slow starts every single time so grudgingly i see the cowboys win the division although you're right it's either gonna be the cowboys or the eagles let's just go ahead and say the cowboys listen the packers look awfully good obviously aaron Rodgers tremendous against the raiders the saints i was wrong i thought no breeze no, no chance instead it's no problem teddy bridgewater has been great as you mentioned peyton's a great coach and we like the 49ers right now in the West. My, my wildcard teams right now, Mike, the Seahawks at 5-2 and two, and Kirk Cousins with balance on offense for the Vikings. I've got Minnesota also making the playoffs as a wildcard team. I'm with you on those, exactly where you are on those. San Francisco, I'm with you exactly on that. I think it's Minnesota and Seattle for the wildcard. I think those are the two. I think the Eagles and the Cowboys – are going to miss one of them are going to miss it i don't think minnesota is going to be able to recover from that because minnesota's got the eagles remember they beat them already yeah that's a good point all right let's look at the afc so patriots is an easy one i still like the texans um although the colts could be there but i'll go patriots texans ravens and chiefs as the division winners and the bills are now five and one and then i'll put the colts in there as well jacoby Brissett, and i like frank reich good defense so my six for the afc patriots texans ravens chiefs bills and colts as wildcard teams yeah and i just went different i went new england baltimore i went indy to win kansas city in the West, and then I went wild cards, Buffalo, Houston. I think that's about right. I don't see the Chargers mounting a comeback. I don't think the Raiders, even though they're three and three, mounting a comeback. I think Denver's dead. You know, I, I don't see any of those teams really, you know, mounting some kind of comeback. I think the Texans and the Colts are good. I don't think Jacksonville has enough left in them to really do it. Yeah, I mean that's where it gets a little bit tricky. But 
I, how about the fact that both of us have the Bills making the playoffs? I mean, that's crazy. Like, I, and I feel pretty confident about that now. It's unbelievable. And today, the look, let me say this to you. The Bills got everything they wanted today. They were bad. I mean, the, um, the Bills had a chance to lose that game. I mean, they're going in. The Dolphins are going in to score. It's 17-14. to 14. Or fourteen, I think they were up fourteen to ten at this point, and they're going in to score. And they run a fake field goal, they get it, and then on four on, on the next play, he throws an interception right at the one yard line. But the one thing about the Bills, they're in a, they're not a great team. I mean, Miami threw the ball on them today. Miami looked like a professional football team today. You can say what you want about Miami being they're, they're tanking. If you think Miami's tanking, why don't you you should watch some of the Cincinnati Bengal tape. You should sit down and watch a good tape of that. Because I'm telling you, I think the Bengals are worse than – at least Miami has a plan for what they're doing. The Bengals and the Falcons don't even have a plan for what they're doing. If the Falcons lose Matt Ryan, which he looked bad walking off the field, I'm going to tell you what, the Falcons will be 1-15. They ain't beating anybody. Not with Matt Schwab coming in off the bench with that offensive line and that bad defense. That's 1-15. If I'm Arthur Blank, I ain't firing anybody till after the year's over. There ain't no sense. Make them all have to suffer through it. I was about to say, speaking of Arthur Blank, now it's time for the weekly awards. In case you're new to the podcast, Jim Shuffle, Mike always gives out some awards. First one is on the lamb. You're giving it up to your boy DQ, Dan Quinn. I mean, poor Dan. He needs to go to West Cape May, which is down here. It's, you could never find you. It's the Witness Protection Program. They'll never find your ass in West Cape May. You could get lost for six. It's in the state of New Jersey, and nobody will ever find I mean, if if Pauly and, and Chrissy got lost in the Pine Barrens, West Cape May <laughs> is way further deeper than that. That's, if that's really where the Russian is in West Cape May. He's still around. The Russian can't be beaten. He's still in West Cape May. I mean, poor Dan Quinn. I mean, and you know what? I wouldn't fire. If I'm Arthur Blank, I'm not firing him because you're not turning this thing around. You're not going to make an interim guy and kind of come in. That team's too bad. I'd make the coach's coach. How about the Fred Palermo Award? Best game plan going into the week. Oh, nice and simple. The Baltimore Ravens. Pretty simple. They did a good job on Russell. How about my man Marcus Peters? Guest and got an interception for a touchdown. And, and I'm telling you, if you listen to Vison, if you listen to the Lombardi line on Saturdays and Sundays, I called it. I nailed it. I said, watch Marcus Peters today get a pick six. He, he guessed exactly the right thing. He's, it's what he's good at doing. He's one of the all-time guessers. He's one of the – I mean, I'd hate to play charades with this guy because he guessed on everything. <laughs> but they did a great job. They did a great job, Baltimore, of controlling the clock. They ran the ball effectively. You know, he didn't really throw the ball very well. They had a lot of drops. It was a bad weather game. And I'm telling you, Lamar Jackson was at a different level. And he was at a different level competitively, too. Russell Wilson wasn't bad, but they turned the ball over. He got the pick six, first turnover of the year for Russell. And, you know, the Baltimore did a good job. You go in there now. Think about this. We talk about home field. This is another thing to think about. When you're making bets or you're thinking about who you're going to bet on, you really don't think the home field isn't worth three points anymore. It's really not. I mean, Seattle's 2-2 two and two at home this year. They lose to the Saints. They lose to the Ravens. Should have lost to the Rams, right? Zerline misses that field goal, and the Bengals had them beat. They could be 0-4 at home, Seattle. Which is crazy to think about. How about the KGB award? The team that got duped this week, again, of all the numbers, Mike, Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 72 yards, and Daniel Jones just harassed endlessly as the Giants lose to Arizona. Yeah, I mean, look, you could say the Eagles got duped. They're getting their butts kicked, and Wentz just threw an interception. But I think the Giants, I mean, I think the Giants thought they were just going to waltz out there and beat the Cardinals. And the Cardinals have been playing really good. I mean, the Cardinals have been playing really good. And the Giants, I think this is an indictment of their talent level, their football team. The, The Giants... The Giants, Ryan Pace, the Falcons, they need to have a come-to-Jesus meeting and say, you know what, we're not any good. Like, that's the one thing I don't understand about the NFL. It tells you who you are. 
every week. Like, if just listen to it. Like, we're not any good. Like, we stink on defense. The Cardinals ran like crazy all over them. Uh, now time for why do we win, why do we lose? The winner, Jacksonville. The reason for you, Mike, turn the ball over. They got. They finally, you know, going into this week, they only had two turnovers for a team. And, of course, they see the great Andy Dalton, and the next thing you know, they're getting the ball like crazy. And that's why they won today. They weren't spectacular. You know, Fournette ran for over 100 yards. Chark made some plays. Minshew was solid. He wasn't great. Their offensive line is bad in Jacksonville. You can't really support them based on their offensive line. But they won the game because they were able to get the Bengals, who were playing at home, turning the ball over. You lose at 10 points at home to a team who's 3-4 and four or 2-4 two and, uh, and four coming in, you're not very good. And as far as the, why did we lose, you look at the Bears and the Chargers. You're, we'll get to the Bears in a sec with more, Mike. But your big point here with the Chargers, I think Bears reaffirmation, use Eckler and not Melvin Gordon, who you're not a believer in whatsoever. No, I think Melvin Gordon's an asset you need to trade. Trade him for an offensive line. They lost Forrest Lamp today, the offensive lineman. They got to trade. They got to get something. To me, I would never take Eckler off the field. In fact, I bet you they get more teams call them to ask for Eckler than they do for Gordon. That's crazy to me. I just like Gordon's just the name. I mean, I, I don't know. I just thought more people would be like, hey, Melvin Gordon. But, yeah. it, it, it's the media. It's all the media. You know, and they have no offensive line. So, but what Eckler gives them, I mean, Eckler didn't run very effectively this week. I mean, he was, he struggled. I mean, they all struggled. I mean, they couldn't really run the ball because, you know, Gordon had 16 carries for 32 yards, but Eckler had five for seven. They had 21 carries for 39 yards, and six was their long. Six was their long, but Eckler had seven catches for 118. For 118, him and Henry and Keenan, they had three players basically making plays. And Rivers was just, you know, he was, didn't throw an interception. 329 yards, he got sacked one time, got the shit beat out, and he's got bruises all over his body. This is the best one. If you don't know, now you know. The main takeaway from this week of football is? MVP, Mitch, it's over. I mean, we all know now. I mean, we all know. You know, it's a little bit like in The Godfather. You know, when Don Corleone comes downstairs and he says to Tom Hagen, why don't you tell me what everybody else seems to know, right, when Sonny got killed? He comes downstairs and says, why don't you tell your Don what everybody else seems to know? Yeah. And he says, well, I was just going to come upstairs and tell you. I just, But you had to have a drink first. Yeah, oh, that's a great scene. Well, Bear fans, yep. you better have a drink first. You don't have a quarterback. Everybody knows it. We all know it now. After that weekend, we all know it. It's, it's a mess right now, definitely, for Chicago, as they look like a team that was good. Now, in fact, as we talk about who is courageous, who is desperate, the Bears are desperate. How about the courage of the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, I love it. I mean, they go in there to 5-2. and two. Right, they got a bye week. Then they're going to come back and play the. Ball. They're hard to play. It's not an offense that's complicated to play. They're just hard to play. It's different. You know, you got to get used to the speed of this guy. This guy's unique now. This guy, and he's so freaking competitive. I mean, fourth and two, AD. He goes in there and he tells John Harbaugh, "I want to run the ball. I want it." He was pissed off he didn't get it. You know, and and you could just feel his leadership. It's pretty impressive. Speaking of leadership, how much do the Eagles miss Frank Reich right now? I mean, Frank Reich loses his starting quarterback and Andrew Luck. They're 4-2 and two right now with Jacoby Brissett. Meantime, this Eagles offense just getting worked against the Cowboys defense. Reich's unbelievable. He really is. I mean, he's an outstanding. We didn't talk about that game very much at all. I mean, the Texans lose players left and right. I mean, they lost when they lost Will Fuller. I'm like, if I was doing in-game betting, I would have bet like crazy on the Colts because Will Fuller make drives that machine. He keeps everybody else spaced, and they lost him to a hamstring. Guys were dropping like flies on that field for the Texans. I mean, they fought, had a chance. He threw an interception late in the game, but uh, you know, I mean, the Colts they play hard. They're physical. They get better. Jacoby Brissett, he protects the ball. Typically, he does. Those two teams are going to be around a while. They're not going anywhere. 
And last one for you, Patriots and the Jets, 6-0 in New England. The Monday Night Football game against the Jets are currently 1-4. As we discussed last week, listen, the Jets are a different team with Sam Darnold, but this would be quite the upset if they can beat Patriots and Brady. Yeah, I don't know if they can do that one. I mean, I think this will be an interesting game. I think Brady will play better than he did against the Giants. They need to have some – they'll get Dorsett back. Not that he's a great player, Edelman, but they're going to need to run some plays to help their team out in terms of their scheme plays offensively and then defensively. They're going to break down this Jet offensive line. That's what they got to do. They, the Jets can't really think they're going to go out there and build a lead like they did against Dallas. I mean, they're going to get after the Jets and force them to have to make throws down the field. I do think the Jets will keep this game close because they always are. A 10-point dog at home. I think the Jets will play their asses off. Bill Belichick, 18-8 and eight on Monday nights, just 9-7 and seven in those games on the road. But as you've talked before, Mike, this is a different New England team primarily because they're defense. Number one ranked defense right now in football. Think about that. You know, I mean, here's just think about the perfect storm. I mean, you know, you got one of the greatest defensive coaches in the history of the game coaching a team that's really talented. Those two things go together. It's like Dennis Allen. I mean, I think Dennis Allen deserves all the praise he gets for what he's done with the Saints defense. And I think Sean Payton's coach of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Kyle Shanahan's done a great job. But there's sometimes these defensive coaches that are really good. They make a huge difference. And you could see it based on how the coordinators struggled, especially these young coordinators that struggle against these good coordinators. It's really problematic. Yeah, New England has held teams NFL low 10 of 73. 13.7% conversion rate on third downs. The fewest third downs allowed in a 16-game season is 49 by the 91 New Orleans Saints. I mean, six weeks in, giving up 10 conversions on third down. That's incre- it's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. It really is. It's unbelievable. I mean, but and they come from different angles. And if and what the fans don't understand because they don't explain it to you on TV is how the protections. When you hear a quarterback say "52 is the mic," "52 is the mic," he's telling the protection who has 52. Sometimes it's the back. Sometimes it's the offensive line. Sometimes it may be somebody else. It may be the tights. They're sliding all the way down. It all depends on the route who has them, right? And so as soon as the defense hears that, as soon as Belichick, he's got to call. Hey, once. 52s declared the mic we start moving people around and once they do that then it becomes complicated well who really is the mic who has the mic you know who is the mic i thought 52 but then he moved out there then he became this and all of a sudden shit starts to break loose follow us on instagram at the gm shuffle once again subscribe and rate and review on apple podcast the gm shuffle new episodes every monday and thursday one final thought stefan diggs or Joker-themed cleats today. I mean, thankfully, the cleats are better than the movie. I mean, otherwise, yeah, I he would just so. be depressed the whole time wearing those things. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm still depressed. I haven't gotten over that yet. I'm still depressed. I need, like, I had to watch Nobody's Fool on TV just to get oh, cheered up. Paul Newman, great film. <laughs> great movie. I mean, I, I just had to get cheered up. I mean, so many good stars in that movie. But as we sign off tonight, as week seven, I mean, it's 30 to 10. They turn the ball over like crazy. The guaranteed win that Doug Peterson had isn't coming to fruition. Yeah, how about that? Doug Peterson guaranteed victory. Yeah, I mean, then he backed off of it. Then he backed off. He didn't really say it. Oh, that's the other thing I was talking about. I love how it came out that the Eagles were involved. You know, the Eagles were trying to get into the Jalen Rams. They offered a one and a two. Why would you say that? Because you know why you say that? Because you want your fans to think that you were trying to be aggressive. That came directly from your GM to the, everybody else because you wanted it to be so that you make it so your fans know you're trying to be aggressive. Like, seriously, you didn't get the guy. It doesn't matter whether you were in it or not. Like, it doesn't matter. This isn't horseshoes, right? 
You didn't get them. <laughs> like, you didn't get them. Oh, because you're taking heat during the week because you didn't get them. So naturally, you leak it to Schefter that, oh, I, we were in it. We offered a one and a two, but they didn't take it. Does that make it better? Yeah. You know, it's like people say, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'll take the Cardinals, but if I get 20, well, they, that, that's not available. You're not going to get it at 20. They're not giving you 20 points in the Cardinals. So you can't say that, right? Yeah. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Not this week. We'll talk to you next time on the GM Shuffle.